One of the joys that we have as a church over all of these years is the ability to connect with folks that love Jesus just in the same way that we do and yet have felt the call of God to leave this nation and go to another place where they will share and live out the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. And one of the very first missionaries this church had, in fact, our longest standing missionary, is able to be with us today. We've been down a number of times to visit with them and seen the work that they have done. And that work has continued to grow through the years in an amazing way, touching more and more lives. And every life that they touch, an impact for the gospel, then touches other lives. So it's exponential in nature. We're grateful today to have Roger and Margaret Clark with us. Uh, they are uh, rooted in Haiti. So when you talk to a missionary, uh, I, I just had somebody say it to me. I don't know what day it was this week. Just this week, I had somebody say to me this week, somebody said, oh, you come home. They said, no, I've come from home. That's my home now. I've lived there longer than anywhere else kind of thing. Well, that's how it is for a missionary. They go, they plant themselves, and they become a part of that area and a part of those people loving them every bit as much as you love the nation in which God has planted you at this time. But we are thrilled to have Roger and Margaret with us. They have done a great work. We've watched the work that they do grow in the Bible school, in the elementary schools, the feeding programs, helping build after an earthquake and other disasters that have happened there, been through several governmental transitions. We're just so grateful that they would be able to be with us. And so we're going to have them come and share. But just before they come, we're actually going to watch a video that will be on the screen, and then they'll come straight up after that, okay?
Good morning. We're so glad to be here, and we just always thank you for your prayers and support of our ministry. And that video clip gives you an overview of what we're doing in Haiti, and as you can see, we're doing many things. And we are so blessed to be a part of what God is doing in Haiti, and God is doing great things and wonderful things through our ministry. As you saw on the slide that we had... Uh, just celebrated our 25th anniversary as a New Life mission of Haiti, uh, though our Bible college has been there since uh, 34 years. Our Bible college has been in existence, and uh, since I went as a teacher and founder of the Bible school, and uh, just so we just feel that we're at a good place in our ministry in Haiti, uh, God is just doing marvelous and wonderful things. And I want to just share about the wonderful things God's doing. Even though Haiti is a land of many challenges and many difficulties, as uh, was expressed from the title of the, the clip that we gave you, but God is on the throne and doing great things. Uh, we just thank the Lord for the over 350 men and women who have graduated from New Life Bible College. 70% of them are involved in ministry today, and they're ministering to over 90,000 people every week as a result of that. And that's what we're about. We're about multiplication. We're not there to do everything. We're there to equip the people of God in Haiti to do the work of the Lord. So we're excited about that. As you saw on this slide, we have three elementary schools. Uh, all three of them together have about 400 children. And uh, we are glad not only to give them education, but give them the word of the Lord and the gospel at the same time. And that's a great thing in Haiti. There is freedom of speech of, and that you can share the gospel anywhere in any government building, in any school. There's no limits where you can share it. So that's an exciting thing that we, an opportunity we have in Haiti that actually we you do no longer have in the United States of America. Um, we also... Uh, thank the Lord that we are part of helping 4,000 children get a hot lunch every day. And uh, so this is such a needed thing because, uh, as you saw on the slide, that may be their only hot meal of the day. So we're excited about that. I want to just share a few testimonies of what God has been doing through our graduates. Uh, because our focus in Haiti is Bible training and equipping men and women for the Lord. We have our first, we said we, are, we celebrated 25-year anniversary, and that our mission began when we founded our first church that was founded by Jansi Osnak, and uh, that church now is between 600 and 800 people meeting together every week, worshiping the Lord, and we thank the Lord for that. And we thank the Lord for Jansi and his wife because they're strong in evangelism and great, doing a great job pastoring as well. But they also have a ministry to the sick. And one thing that they do from as the occasion rises, that there will be people in the area who are terminally ill. And there is no hope for them to live. And they will know that if they come to Pastor Janti and his wife, that they will take them into their home and pray over them until they're healed. And it may take days, it may take weeks, it may take months. Whatever it takes, they will be in constant prayer in their home for that terminally ill person. And up, as of today, none of them have died. 
God has healed each and every one of them. Amen? So that is just, we just thank the Lord for Jean-Ti and his family. They're doing a wonderful work. Uh, we also have Sauver Steril, uh, who's graduated from a Bible college, who went out into, you saw on the slide there, where we walked for four hours over hill and dale and through rivers and streams to get to uh, this church that was founded by Sauver Steril. But before that church was there, there was only one Christian family in that whole area. And they invited him to do some evangelism. He went out and did evangelism. A number of people got saved, and they said, let's begin get a church out here. And Pastor Sauver decided to start the church right on top of a hill that had been dedicated to Satan by a voodoo witch doctor or as a voodoo priest. And before they began their work there, the, that mountain was, a, the children would not even walk on that mountain. They were afraid of the evil spirits that were on that mountain. But that's where God told him to plant the church, and he went to the son of the voodoo priest, who uh, the father had already passed away, and said, we want to plant a church right on top of this hill. And it overlooks my, most all the hills right there. And, uh, and miraculously, he agreed. And then after that, he had to get saved because he knew he was going to be on bad terms with the devil. So we praise the Lord for that. But now we have a church up there. Uh, of about 200 people uh, go going up and down that mountain every day worshiping the Lord. And we have a school up there, and children are going up and down the mountain that used to be off limits for children. So we praise the Lord for that great victory that was done through another graduate. Amen? Uh, I could give you so many testimonies. Dotrich Marlene, a lady who graduated from our school, she's in Florida now, and she has a radio ministry, a radio broadcast to children by children. Everybody on the broadcast are children ministering to children. And it's, she's doing a wonderful job, and we're so proud of her. I was just talking just last week, uh, a couple weeks ago, to a guy who graduated named Aluc Fanel. He is, went to Canada and planted a church in Canada. I'm sure it's to the Haitian community in Canada. There's a lot of Haitians up there. And he did that one year ago. He planted the church, and he says, now I have 60 people uh, attending his church. So that's another great testimony of our graduates. So our graduates are not just ministering in Haiti, but they're ministering in other nations around the world. So we are just so thankful that we are able to see, begin to see, and we're going to see more of the fruit of the ministry that God has called us to in Haiti. I want to ask um, my wife to come, and she's going to share some prayer requests, and then after that, I will bring, bring a brief message. Thank you and good morning. I'm so happy to be here. It's a joy for me every time I return to Warsaw. Um, and <clears throat> my heart is for young people. I love young people. I love teaching young people. You have your whole lives ahead of you and it's so exciting. And since we have such a wonderful group of young people here this morning, I have something to say to you. Um, 40 years ago, I was a young person myself. <laughs> I'm older now, but I remember things from when I was young. And I want to tell you that God called me to Haiti, uh, to be a missionary to Haiti, and I was 16. I was your age. I was sitting in a church. I was looking at pictures of someone else who has been in Haiti, and God touched my heart. And I said, yes, God, I will go and be your missionary to Haiti. 
and I was so sure I was going to Africa. <laughs> and I went home and I found out I'm going to the Caribbean. I'm like, okay, God. But it didn't matter because my heart was God's. And I gave my heart to God and I said, I will go and I will do what you called me to do. And I didn't know what I would do when I got to Haiti. I was 16, I had no skills. Um, and I didn't actually go to Haiti until I was 23. But God has used me in Haiti in so many different ways. And I'm so glad that when I was 16, I said yes to God, even though I didn't know where I was going. Oh, kind of, you know. Anyway, another thing I want to tell you is you're going off to camp. And I want you to go today with expectation. If you don't expect anything, you won't receive anything. I was at a church in Trinidad and Tobago with my husband several years ago, and we were there for a conference, and on the first night of the conference, I looked up on the table, and there was a bottle of oil, which is not unusual to see in a church. They do anointing, you know, they anoint people with oil and pray for them and all that. But the, the interesting thing about this church was it was not the, the, the little tiny bottles of oil, you know, that fit in your pocket that pastors carry around. They had a liter of oil. It was sitting right there on the table. I'm like, this church is expecting God to do something. They're going to anoint some people. And they did. They, used, they, they went through that oil. Um, but you have to come with expectation. And I want you, I just, I just believe that God is going to pour out his spirit on Camp Judah. And that he's going to anoint you with his oil. Not just a little bottle of it. It's going to be used but a gallon. Just pour it on. And I just pray that for you this week. I am here to give you our prayer requests. And I had a list here of uh, five things, and two of them have already been met during our travels in the States. And so, hallelujah for that. God has been blessing us. Um, we had a $7,000 need. We had a $5,000 need, and they have been met in the last month. Praise God. These projects will be done when we go back. One of them is a church roof. Uh, this church... They have expanded their walls. They're still meeting in their building, but they have extra walls on the outside that they have built themselves. And we wanted to do the roof for them. It's been done. God has met that need. Um, the other one is a pavilion. We're putting an extension onto our Bible college. And we're going to, the next phase is to put up the pillars so that we can put the roof on it. God has met that need. Hallelujah. We thank God for his grace. His mercy and his, his provision this past year, I just, I feel like I'm walking on a cloud. I just do. And God is so good. He's given us health and strength and provision. And uh, Haiti is falling apart, as you could see in the video. We have lots of trouble in Haiti. We have lots of protests. Some days we can't leave the house. Some days, we, sometimes we can't leave the house for a whole week. But God is good. And God has protected us, and we have not felt threatened. Um, bad things happen. It's a big city. But God is good, and we are going forth in God's grace and in his strength. And we thank him for that. We ask you to pray for us, of course, for safety, for continued provision, provision excuse me, <clears throat> and for health. But mostly we ask that you would pray for God's favor to rest on us, that we would know God's will and that we would walk in his will. Because when we step out and to do things outside of what he wants, then it just gets real messy. 
Um, so help us to know what God's will is. Please meet us at the back table, and you can see some of our children who need sponsors, some of our Bible school students who could use a scholarship. One other need that we are looking to provide for is Roger speaks on the radio every Monday, and that costs us about $60 a month. And if anyone would like to help with that, you can see me at the table too, and I'll tell you how to do that. But thank you very much for letting us come and share with you today. Well, praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads as we prepare our hearts for the word of the Lord for us today. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and faithfulness that we have already testified of. And we thank you, Lord, that you love us so much, that you died on the cross for our sins, that we might be saved, that we might be able to enter into relationship with you, the almighty and wonderful and loving God. I ask you, Lord God, to anoint me as I bring forth your word today. Pray that it may challenge your people, your children, to commit themselves fully and completely to you in every way. I ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. The message today, life of the cross, life of the cross. Uh, I, I, I just praise the Lord that the United States of America is truly a blessed nation. Uh, especially if you compare America to many third world countries, and in Haiti particular, where there's extreme poverty, where people are wondering where their next meal is going to come from, where parents have to work and try to get their children educated because 85% of the schools you have to pay for, often having to choose which child that they're going to send because they can't afford to send them all. And where there is an unemployment of over 40% of the people or more are unemployed, where many adults depend upon their family members, whether it be in Haiti or often in other nations of the world, to live every day. Haiti, the Haitian people, know what suffering is more than any of us have ever experienced in our lives. But we are in a blessed nation in, here in the United States. But we must be careful that our blessings do not become a curse. We must be careful that our blessings does not, be, does not become our downfall. If you look at the people of Israel, God gave them the promised land. The land of flowing milk and honey. In other words, the land that had everything. It was, the, it was the choice area, choice property. It was top-notch real estate. It had everything that that nation would ever need. God gave them the best. And when they went into the promised land, they were joyful when they succeeded in ousting those who were there. But soon they forgot God. Soon they began to serve the idols of that land. Soon they forgot who gave them the blessed land, the promised land, the land of Canaan. 
And that can happen to us as well. We must be careful that the blessed life that we have here, that we be careful that we don't do whatever it takes to maintain our lifestyle to the extent of disobedience in God. That is the, one of the dangers the United States faces. In any country that is wealthy, any country that is blessed, the danger is that those people in the country that they live in will do whatever it takes to maintain their high lifestyle or the lifestyle that they love. Another danger of a blessed life is that we become very self-centered and focus on things other than God and people. Another danger of the blessed life is that we become consumers instead of givers. Be careful that you are not a consumer only, but you must make your priority a giver. Another danger of a blessed life is that we focus on what feels good and makes us happy instead of what is right and pleasing to God or what is best for the other person. We become self-centered. Many believe that God's number one purpose in life is to save and bless us. This is a very popular theology today. We believe God is there to serve us rather than we are here to serve God. We may not teach it, we may not preach it, but often that's the way we live. Yes, I will do what the Bible says if it doesn't mess with my social life. Yes, I will do what the Bible says if it pleases me. Yes, I will obey God if it doesn't oppose what I want to do or require too much from me. This is the thought process, the attitude of many believers today, I believe, in this wonderful nation of the United States. But we must be careful not to fall into this thinking pattern, not to have these attitudes. The words denial and sacrifice and forsake all else and follow Christ is not a popular theology today. But it is a biblical theology. It is a Jesus theology. Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through 27. We're going to read Luke 14, 25 through 27. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Strong words. From Jesus. And the idea is only those who carry their cross are Christ's disciple. Do you believe that you're a disciple of Christ today? A disciple is, what is a disciple? It's one who learns from the master. It's one who walks in the footsteps of the master. It's the one who walks with the master and obeys the master.
What does this cross represent that Jesus is speaking of? It represents death, death to self, and resurrection life in Christ. This is the message of the cross. It costs to be a disciple of Christ. Christ gave us the example. He died on the cross for us that we might enter into relationship with him. In the same way, we must die to live. Often and often is a, a long, agonizing death. Because it's an agonizing death because we're often fighting against that death. We don't want to die to self, so we're kicking and screaming as God is trying to put us on the altar of death. Death. What am I speaking of? How do we die to, li die to live? He's speaking of dying to selfishness, dying to self-centeredness, dying to pride, dying to sin. We know that a seed in the ground will not bear fruit, will not bear fruit unless it dies. In the same way, we are not able to bear the fruit of the Spirit and do the work of the Lord in this life and serve him as we should if we have not yet died to ourselves. Jesus calls us to put him above all else. You know, Jesus did not, if we read Luke, Luke what we read in Luke, we'd say, well, God, God says to hate your mother and your father and your sister and brothers. No, he doesn't mean literally hate them, but what he's saying is that God needs to be first. Your wife, your husband, your children, your grandchildren, they must not be first in your life. Christ must be first above all else. God calls us to put him above all else. We have an example in the Bible, Abraham. Abraham was given... Isaac, the promised child. The child, the miraculous child. Because they were of very old age and they were not able to give birth naturally by the order of things. But God miraculously gave, gave Sarah and Abraham Isaac. And what did Abraham, God tell Abraham to do? He said, Abraham, I want you to go sacrifice your son. The one that I promised to you, the one, the miracle child, the one that is going to be a great nation that I've already declared, I want you to sacrifice him. And Abraham said, was obedient to God. And he took his son and was ready to kill his son on the altar before God intervened and gave him another sacrifice in the place of his son, even as Jesus Christ did for us. So Abraham is an example. He was willing to lay it all down for Christ. Are you willing to lay it all down for Christ? You know, there are many a believer in this world who are being persecuted for Jesus' name's sake. There's countries where if you are a Christian, your life is at risk. We talk about the martyrs. And there, there, if you go look at the story and history of the church, you will find stories like this where there's a father 
and a mother and children. And the government says, the people say to them, deny Christ or we are going to kill your children. And they refuse to deny Christ and their children are, are killed in front of them. Then they speak to the husband, deny Christ or we're going to kill your wife. And he does not deny Christ and they kill his wife in front of him. Then they come to him and say, deny Christ or we're going to kill you. And he will not deny Christ and he dies. That is the life of the cross. God calls us to the life of the sacrifice to him. What does this look like? Well, there are several things we need to look at. First of all, we are called to give ourselves to others, especially to the body of believers. Are you giving of your time and money and energies to the body of Jesus Christ? There is a poor theology, an incorrect theology that is rampant, I believe, in this nation. That's just me and Jesus. No, it's not you and Jesus. It's you, Jesus, and us. It's not just you and Jesus. It's you, Jesus, because we all are the family of God. You are my brothers and sisters. Therefore, I am going to do whatever it takes to help you to succeed, to minister to you, to encourage you, to strengthen you. You will be my focus out of love that I have for the Father. We are called to give ourselves the gospel or the kingdom of God. But we cannot give ourselves to the gospel or the kingdom of God without first giving ourselves to God. Because the minute you try to serve God and accomplish His purposes in this life, without first giving yourself to God, you're going to fail. It begins giving yourself to God in His Word, in prayer, in fellowship with other believers. And as you do that, then God is able to use you wonderfully and tremendously for His kingdom because the, what's most important in this life is not my kingdom, what I want to see, what I want to comp accomplish, but what's most important is what God wants to accomplish in me and through me and for you and for his kingdom upon this world. And to do this, this is going to require giving of ourselves to furthering the kingdom by testifying to others about Jesus Christ. It's easy as we are together as believers to proclaim the name of the Lord in worship. Usually it's easy, not always, I understand that. But it's so easy to proclaim the goodness of the Lord and share our faith. You know, I can tell you, you know, this God did this for me. God did this for me. We, I think we do that. I hope you do that one with another. That encourages each other. But it's easy to do it among the, in your family. But do you do it outside of the family of God? When was the last time you shared your faith with someone who does not, who has, does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, who has not been born again? 
When was the last time you said to somebody who doesn't know Jesus, Jesus loves you? When was the last time you said to somebody, Jesus did this for me? Because sharing the gospel is not necessarily going through all the, the four spiritual laws, if you know what that is. But it's not, it's not about, you know, just getting up there and preaching and teaching or whatever. We need to give the message. But it's about testifying, telling what God is doing for you, because people cannot fight with your testimony. And so if you are bold enough to share, this is what, why? Why do I know Jesus? Why do I follow Jesus? Why do I go to church? It's because of this, 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 this. Are you doing that with those who do not know Jesus as your Savior? This is the life of the cross. This will also mean giving of what you have to further the gospel and further the plan of God locally and globally. I have a friend I want to tell you about named Ricardo Francois of an example of a man who laid it all on the line for Christ in a financial way. He's Haitian. He's married to American. And he lived in the U.S. for many years. And God called him back to Haiti to plant a church among his people in Haiti. But at one time, he went back to the States for a conference. And as he was at that conference, a businessman came up to him and had this big business. And he says, you're just the man I need for this position. And he described to Ricardo Francois that, that he would get X amount of dollars. He'd get, he'd get a car. He'd get his own. They'd take care of his car. They'd take care of his house. I mean, it was a sweet deal. And Ricardo said to me that that was the thing he always wanted. He, he says, now I have made it. This is, he said, God, wow, this is great. I've, this is the, my dream job. I'll have more money than I'll know what to do with. I, with that money, I can, you know, bless others. And so he was excited. And then he went back into the conference. And I was sitting there. God told him, no, you cannot take that job. You need to go back to Haiti and serve your people. And he was obedient to God. He get, laid down his dream. He laid down the wealth that he could have here in this world and went back to serve his people in his nation. The life of the cross. We are only able to give ourselves as living sacrifices as we remain connected with him and allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. God is not seeking to make our lives hard and miserable. That's not why I'm teaching or preaching. But he knows, God knows that there is greater reward in giving than receiving. I'll tell you today, there is great reward when we lay down our lives 
for Jesus Christ. The eternal rewards are great because the eternal rewards are greater than our temporal rewards. So often we focus on the temporal. God promises those who forsake all else to follow him will receive both eternal rewards and rewards in this life according to Matthew chapter 10, 29-30. And I can testify that I've seen that. I, I grew up and my parents in the missionary home. My parents were missionaries in many countries. They were in Africa for over 18 years, and they were in other countries of the world. And I was the, the youngest of us four boys. And I know the sacrifices my parents made. I know that when they went out, that was in the, I guess, late 50s, they went to Africa, and they had to take a boat. That's the only way to get there, on a ship for over a month on that ship to get to Africa. Get to Africa, there's nothing that we have today. There's no email, there's nothing like that. There's only snail mail, the letter. And, and, and so when my mom would write to her mom and, and, her, and her parents in the States, the, the mail would go there and, it, and take a week, at least two weeks to get there, maybe a week to, two weeks to get back to her. And she made many sacrifices, but one of the greatest sacrifices she made was laying down her children for Jesus Christ. Because back then, you were not, we didn't have the option for schooling like we have today, that you can homeschool. And where they were in Africa, there was no schooling available in English. There was no schools available in English. And homeschooling was unheard of both there and in the U.S. at that time. But there was a boarding school in another nation that was, on the, that was uh, connected to the nation that they were in. And so my mom sent each of her sons off to boarding school. And when you go to the boarding school, you're there, you live there, that's where you, you know, eat there, everything, you're boarded there. And my mom would see her children Christmas, break, and she would see her children during the summer. And she sent all of us off at a very young age, and at me being the baby of the family, she sent me off to go to kindergarten, to go to boarding school. And she put me on a bus and, she, and sent me off to another country that was with, at war with the country she was in. And to, to this day, she will not speak of that because it hurt so much, as you as mothers can, and parents can relate to. But I can testify that God has not only rewarded her, she doesn't have only great eternal rewards, but she has material rewards today. But she was willing to lay it all down for Jesus Christ. God may not ask all, God may not ask us all to sacrifice the same thing. And he may call some to greater sacrifice than others. But it's not about the sacrifice. Yes, the life of the cross is going to require sacrifice, but it's not about the sacrifice, it's about obedience. And what's important is that we obey what the Lord tells us to do, matter how great or how small a sacrifice. 
Don't compare your sacrifice with other people's sacrifice. Just because you sacrifice more than others, don't think you're better than others. Just because you sacrifice less than others doesn't mean you're not better than the other person or less better, less, lesser than the other person. It's not about the sacrifice. When I'm talking about the life of the cross, it's a life of obedience. Because even the Bible teaches obedience is better than sacrifice. But often obedience requires sacrifice. I'll say that again. Obedience is better than sacrifice. But often obedience requires sacrifice. What are you willing today to lay down? My message for you today is get out of your lazy boy. Get off of the sidelines. Get into the battle. Get where you need to be with the Lord. Hear his voice. Obey him. No matter what the cost, great or small. This is what God is calling us to do today. This is the challenge that God has told me to set before you today. So what are you willing? Look at your own life. Because when I, I, we all have to make sacrifices. Life is that way. And often we make sacrifices for material gain. Often we make sacrifice for temporal benefits. But what about making sacrifices that have so much spiritual and eternal benefits? What sacrifice? What do you have to lay down on the altar? Even as Abraham had to lay his son on the altar, what do you need to lay on the altar today? Let's bow our heads, and after that, uh, Chris, Pastor Chris can come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, as we look and examine our own lives, because that's where it all starts, help us, Lord, to hear these words not as words of condemnation or even words of rebuke, but, Lord, words that will encourage us to lay it all down. Lord, because this is what you have called us to do, and there's great reward in it, Lord. I can testify to that in my own life. Lord, I ask you to strengthen us and encourage us today and show us the path that you would have us to walk in. Help us to hear your voice and to be obedient to you and help us to further your kingdom and your eternal purposes for us and those around us. Lord, we ask a special blessing upon this church, this people, Lord, I pray, God, for a tremendous growth here, numerically and spiritually. Lord, we pray for breakthroughs in this area. Lord, but we know for these breakthroughs to happen, we have to hear your voice and do whatever you're calling us to do. We have to pay the price, which is no price at all, really, because the benefits are so great. Lord, we thank you. And we just bless you and thank you for blessing us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? One of the things you learn early on in your walk with God 
is that the two little words are never allowed to be together. You can't say the word no and Lord together. It's always yes, Lord. The way of the cross is self-sacrifice. It's saying, God, I want to know what my assignment on the earth is, but in order for me to know my assignment on the earth, I have to know what your assignment for the earth is. I have something that God's called me to do, and I have to be willing to lay my life down, to do whatever it takes, to say, yes, Lord. You make a contract with God. You're saying, God, no matter what it is that you ask, you will never hear me say, no, Lord. That's too much. I'm going to say, yes, Lord, you're my God. And so, although it's unpopular, perhaps, within our cultural setting, because everybody wants to do what they think is right in their own eyes, they want to do what feels the best to them. But the reality is the way of Christ, the way of the cross, is his way above all. Is that what's in your heart today? To follow Jesus no matter what the cost? And to say, yes, Lord. Why don't you bow your heads for just a moment and allow God to touch your own heart. Maybe there's some things that God's been pricking your own heart about. You've been kind of wrestling with it like Jacob did in the Old Testament. You're wrestling and saying, God, I know, but. The blessing of God goes with obedience. There's a cost. There's even struggle at times. There's even suffering at times. But the blessing of God is so much greater than all of that. That's his promise. Father, for each one who stands here today, as we've heard this word from our brother about the way of the cross, laying down our lives for Jesus, saying, yes, Lord, no matter what. Lord, whether it be like the rich young ruler where we're told to sell all we have and give to the poor, or whether it be like Abraham and the sacrifice of his dearly beloved promise, we're willing, Father, to do whatever it takes. We say yes to your will, yes to what you want, knowing that that will prove to be the best and the highest for everyone, including us. We ask God as well your blessing upon Roger and Margaret as they continue their travels throughout the states before heading back home to Haiti. We pray, God, for continued strength and health and wisdom to know what to do and when to do it, how to do it. Lord, I pray for even times of rest for their souls, rest in their bodies, rest in their minds, that they can also have a time where they can just, like Jesus, go aside just to rest in the Lord. We pray that you would provide for them the finances that they need, Lord, uh, both for their travels here in the States and the finances for what's still going on back home in Haiti. Lord, just because they're here doesn't mean you don't have to still pay for your house or utilities and stuff. So Lord, we pray that you would bless their finances as well, that you would continue to increase in them, Lord, vision for that nation and those people. Vision for your world, God. I thank you for the increase that you have given and even the testimonies that were shared today of the way in which the different ones within the scope of their ministry have impacted others and seen the kingdom grow. I pray, God, for even greater increase, greater blessing to rest upon them. 
that everything that they put their hand to in obedience to you would know the blessing of God that makes rich. We pray, God, that uh, as they open the word, it would become new to them. It would be living inside of them. It would be like, uh, like what happened with Ivan Q. Spencer years ago. It would be like flaming letters in the sky. They would say, the Lord has spoken. Make it that clear, Father. And we bless them as missionaries that we stand with, that we partner with. We bless them in the name of Christ for their faithfulness over all of these years in the way in which they have served so sacrificially again and again. Bless, we ask. And Lord, as camp goes on this week, we pray your blessing upon that, that uh, all of the staff and all of the campers would stay safe that uh, things would flow well, and that the presence of God would be there from the very first moment, Lord, there would be an awareness. God is in our midst. Lord, some are coming to camp just because friends are going to camp, or some are coming to camp because their parents are making them come. But like Jacob of old, when he laid his head upon his rock that was his pillow that night, when he awakened, he said, surely God was in this place and I didn't know it. Lord, I pray it would be their experience. And I pray, God, that the staff would be uh, submitted and obedient and supportive of the directors as well. That in every way it would run smoothly. And that hearts and lives would be impacted and changed forever because of this week at Camp Judah. I believe you for it, Father. Now, Lord, for the rest, we pray, God, your grace to rest upon them, that as they go out of the doors, they would go out with a mission to see your kingdom come, your will be done here in their area of responsibility and exposure. We ask it, Father, in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Roger and Margaret will be out at the table. If you want to stop and talk to them briefly, camp staff over next door in the fellowship hall, out the door and all the way to your right, okay?